Uh, Romans, uh, which we have been in for quite a while, uh, Paul was in for quite a while. <laughs> it was a letter that uh, one uh, pastor said, Paul found it very difficult to conclude. A letter that he found it very hard. It's kind of like when you're spending time with a friend and you just don't want to say goodbye, right? You guys have done that in that, uh, you know, I can, I can remember uh, back when Amy and I were dating and we were going to college in different parts of the country and I remember those times in which where we, we would have an opportunity to spend time together that saying goodbye was like, oh, just soul crushing, right? And uh, sometimes spending time with a really good friend or a family member, you go to a family event or something, sometimes it's, it's really hard to say goodbye. And, and Paul's kind of finding it hard to conclude this letter that he's writing uh, to the Romans to encourage them in their faith. And so as you can see there, the title of this morning's talk is just a couple of more things. Just a couple more things, guys, that I want to share with you. Uh, he has these, these couple more things to offer, and he is finally then going to stop. And next week, we'll wrap up that, again, the series, the book, the chapter with his doxology, which he's already offered a couple of doxologies. Some people, as, as I mentioned, I think a couple of talks back, a couple of scholars thought, said that the readers of it, when they, got the, when they heard those doxologies, those closing kind of prayers and praises to God, they probably thought the letter was going to wrap up, but then Paul said, ah, another thing, ah, another thing, ah, another thing. And so we're now at this, again, just a couple more things. So let me read that um, passage to you. If you want to follow along with me, you can see on the back of your notes, it's there. It's from the Christian Standard Bible Translation. So you can pull it up on your device. You can look off that or if you have your own Bible with you as well. Check that out. Let me read those verses beginning in verse 17 to you. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learned. Avoid them. Because such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. The report of your obedience has reached everyone. Therefore, I rejoice over you. But I want you, I want you to be wise about what is good, and yet innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan, under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother, Cordus, greet you. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you specifically for the gift of this portion of it in, that we find in uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. We thank you that you inspired him to write to them and that we, Lord, are, a, uh, kind of a, are the beneficiaries of that as well, to hear those words to them. And so we pray, God, again, as we often do, that you would be our teacher today. We pray that you would help us to see uh, the truth that you have to share with us today. And we pray that we wouldn't just be hearers, Lord, of that which you're teaching, but we would be doers. It would make a, a difference in the way that we live our lives. And so God, we commit this time to you. We ask that you would bless it in the name of Christ. Amen. So two things, just a couple of things. And the first thing that Paul is gonna offer to these Roman believers is a word of caution. He said what? He said, I, now I urge you, 
brothers and sisters, to watch out. Now, you remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about how Paul was asking for prayer for the, the, the trips that he had planned. Remember, going from Corinth to Jerusalem to deliver the gift to the Jerusalem church that had been collection. They had collected the offering among the Gentile churches. They're taking that to the Jerusalem church. After he goes to the Jerusalem church then, Paul's desire is to go to Spain. And on his way to Spain, he is going to stop by and visit the, Roman, the Romans. It didn't work out exactly that way, but that was his goal. And you remember, he urged them, begged them, entreated them to pray for him in relationship to his trip to Jerusalem, that he would be safe from the people who would want to hurt him back there, that the gift would be well received, and, and uh, then, of course, that he would be able to make it to Rome. And so remember, we, he, we, we saw that that was a passionate plea. It wasn't that, hey, if you think about it, just kind of like, you know, mention me if it happens to cross your mind. This is the same word he uses here that he used there. It's urge, it's, bleed, it's plead, it's beg, it's the word parakaleo. He says, I, I'm literally uh, uh, begging you, I'm urging you, I'm, I'm entreating you, I'm beseeching you. And so again, in the same way that he passionately pled with them to pray for him, he is passionately pleading with them to do what? To watch out. The word is, you know this word, we, you can see where we get some English words from this, right? Skopeo, watch out is the Greek word skopeo, to take aim at or to spy, to consider, to take heed, to look at. In fact, the King James translation uses the word mark, to mark someone. You can see how we get our word microscope or telescope, right, from this, from this word. And so this idea of scopeo is to, be, is to examine with scrutiny, to examine very closely, to really focus on this particular thing. And so his word of caution is to, he urges them, again, with passion. This isn't just some casual ask. This is like, listen, I'm begging you guys. I am exhorting you. I am, I am like, it's, it stops short of a command, okay? But he's saying, I'm coming alongside you, and I'm, I'm really appealing to you to watch out, to give, to give close examination to, to spy who. Who, is, who does he want him to do, the, the, these believers to do that? Well, the rest of the verse says, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learned. Now, this should, you'd be, this should be like, yeah, Captain Obvious, right? This, is, this should, but with what we've known that Paul's emphasis have, has been in Romans, remember what we talked about last week? The great diversity that exists in the body. We have slaves and free people, women and men. We have Gentiles and Jews. We have people of nobility and people who, who are just like kind of the dregs of society. And what is he appealing in their lives? Unity. So it stands to reason that Paul says, listen, I beg you, give close examination. Make sure that you are on the watch for anyone who would want to create disunity. Now I've spent not near as much time in the church as some of you. And I've spent a lot more time in the church than others of you who are sitting here today, just by the sheer context of uh, the, the sheer measurement of age and, and also the, the time in which I came into the church in my 20s. Some of you grew up in the church. But I would suggest to you that in the time that I have been as a, a part of the body of Christ, I don't know that there is anything that is more destructive to a local church or to the body of Christ in general than disunity. Divisions, discord, 
dissension. So Paul is saying, listen, you have got to be on your guard for people who are creating divisions and obstacles. The word division literally means standing apart from one another. That's the exact opposite, right, of the image of us in the body of Christ. What are we doing? We are standing together with one another. Koinonia, the word that describes the Christian community, koinonia is common participation. It is, it is a share that you have in something. It's a word that actually can also uh, be used for the, the sort of intimacy that's, being, that, that's shared by a husband and wife and should only be shared by a husband and wife. It's that level of intimacy. We are together, right? We are one in Christ Jesus. So anyone who would want to cause us to stand apart from one another, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, then we should be on, on guard for them. Watch out for that kind of person who would want to try to introduce division in the body. Now, let me just make a quick statement here. Are there times when we have to draw a line in the sand? Absolutely. I completely understand that. Completely do. There are times where there will be separation. In fact, Jesus himself alludes to it, right? He came to divide families. He said the families would be divided. But why would they be divided? They would be divided because they would be divided over him. There are things we say, this is our theological, biblical line in the sand. But there are so many other things that we choose to divide over that are not worth dividing over. It's preference, right? It's minor theological issues oftentimes. When we create whole, whole new churches or whole new denominations. One of my classic examples of this is in the, in the in, and I, I won't you know, allude to the, necessarily the, um, the body, just not to speak disparagingly of them. But in the history of the church, there is a group of, church, of, group of believers that decided that they could not fellowship with one another because... One group thought the hook and the clasp was the only way to cause their clothing to, be, to come together. And the other group thought this idea of a button and a buttonhole was okay. And because that was of the world, they separated from each other, literally. Is that craziness? But guys, come on, we do that too, right? With minor things like that. That's the, that's the uber example of the craziness of sometimes how we allow preferences to gain root. Divisions, standing apart. Obstacles is the word scandalon, right? You can, well, that's, that's pretty obvious. If something is scandalous, that doesn't sound good, right? It's intriguing to us. We kind of like scandal. We like to learn about it. But it's not a good thing. Scandalon. It means traps, snares, <laughs> those kinds of things. It's the same word that's used in, in uh, chapter 14. Paul uses that same word when he's talking about the, uh, the, using the, uh, the discussion on the weak and the weak and the stronger brother and sister. And in chapter 14, verse 13, he says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle. This is that same word in your brother's way, obstacle scandalon, trap, snare. So watch out. Watch out for anyone who wants to cause dissension. Watch out for anyone who almost wants to kind of like set a trap and a snare 
and he goes, so, so the first word you could kind of say is vigilance, right? Watch, take note, put them under the microscope, so to speak, right? Watch out, spy on them. And then the next, the next level of that after we're, and remember all of this is Paul's word of caution. Why is he offering this caution? His caution is, is because he wants them to experience unity in Christ Jesus as a family. And, and, and he doesn't want whenever there's anything that might be introduced into this community of faith that would cause standing apart, that would cause someone to be trapped, entrapped or snared in something false, then he wants them to take note of that. Not only be vigilant, but also actually separate from these people. Look at, you, you remember what it said in verse 17? Avoid, at the verse, very end of last phrase of 17, avoid them. Then into verse 18, because such people do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, serve the word doleo, doulos, slave. They're not a slave to Jesus. They're not a servant of Jesus. Certain English translations will translate, uh, the NASB does, the Holman Christian Standard Bible does. This one chooses to use the word serve. It's not my, I don't think it's the best, most accurate way to represent the word doulos, but at the same time, you get the idea. We do a little study, we find out. So it's not, they're they're not a slave of Jesus, but they're a slave of their own appetites. Literally, it means bellies. They're a slave to their belly, to their innermost desire is what it means figuratively. They, it, 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 the, the belly or the gut, it, it, it's metaphorically the place of your unbridled impulses. Your anger, your pride, your jealousy. You know where that is, right? You know what that is. You know what it is to have, you know what your appetite, your belly, you know what that does? When someone offends you, someone annoys you, when someone hurts you, you feel that raising up in there, right? You feel that begin to churn, Sometimes it's literally with churning in your gut, right? Or it also is figuratively, emotionally churning in your gut. Avoid them because they don't serve. They're not a slave to Jesus. They haven't surrendered to Jesus. They're still surrendered to their base impulses. They're surrendered to this unbridled passion that's deep within all of us because all of us, right? That's what our inclination is. That's what's known as depravity. Our inclination is to embrace that unbridled passion that is against God. It's called our sin nature. So they're not a slave to Jesus anymore. Do we still have a sin nature as believers? Absolutely. That sin nature does still exist. But we're not a slave to that sin nature because, right, that is being killed. And what's, what are we now becoming a slave of? We're becoming a slave of righteousness because we're becoming slaves to Jesus. But not, not these people who introduce divisions. Not these people who set traps and snares. They don't serve Jesus. They're not a slave to Jesus, but they are of their own bellies. And so separate from them. Why? Look what they do. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting, unsuspecting is, has the idea of someone who is unaware. Someone is prone to deception. Someone who is liable to be deceived. So here's these kind of people. These kind of people come into churches and they actually look for people almost like, it's kind of like imagine if you were uh, watching uh, the Hunt and Kill channel, right? The animal, the animal channel, right? 
and you got these, all these nice, graceful looking like, what, let's just say antelope or something like that, right? These, these animals out there just kind of grazing and all of a sudden, and then over in the side, you know, the camera pans over and there's the lion, right? So the lion isn't looking right for the most healthy, the strongest, the fastest. And of course, the old joke is, as he charges, I'm antelope number one, you're antelope number two. And I say to you, I don't have to beat everybody, but I just got to beat you. Because if you're behind me, then he's got you and he doesn't have me. That brutal, again, kind of animalistic instinct that these, that these people have is that they're looking for the ones who are prone. They're looking for the ones that they can kind of weave their way into. That's why Paul is saying we have to be, that vigilance isn't only what's necessary. You don't just have to watch out, but you have to avoid. The word is, is, is literally means separate from them. Don't have any association with them. Why? Because they're coming in to do damage and they're looking for the people who are kind of unaware. Unaware maybe of, their, of some theological things. Easily influenced. Able to be entrapped and snared. They're not strong in their faith. So these people who are slaves to their own unbridled passions introduce themselves oftentimes even into the body of Christ to bring great destruction. Avoid them. That's a, this is also a very powerful word. Look at, look at what it means. The word avoid is the same word that's used when we should turn away from sin. To deviate, to shun, or turn away from, to go out of the way, to avoid. In other words, have nothing to do with them. Why? Because they are destructive. They are people who are going to introduce into the body things that are going to bring harm to it. So there's vigilance, there's separation. And then the last thing I would suggest to you related to this word of caution is there's discernment. Look at what Paul says. He says, begins to get a little bit more positive. He says, the report of your obedience has reached everyone. I'm, I've heard of that. And he's mentioned that, those words of affirmation, kind of that to the Romans already. He says, therefore I rejoice with you, but I want you to be, I want you at the same time that I, I know you're living in obedience, be be wise about what is good, sophos, sophia, wisdom, that, that, that idea of practical wisdom. Be wise about what is good. In other words, be an expert on that which is good. But on that which is evil, it's the word akerias, which means um, to be free from, to be uh, unmixed, to be pure. In other words, I want you to be super experienced and acquainted with what is good. And I don't want you to have any sort of evil stuff mixed in with your life. It means to be pure, to be, to be uh, 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 unsoiled, to be free from, free from guile. And so this, these words, of, these words of, of caution, watch out, vigilance, avoid them, separate, and also discernment. Understand what is good, understand what is evil, and allow, you know, the word right elsewhere says these kinds of things. Whatever is good, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is noble. What are we supposed to do? Think on these things. Focus on that which is good. 
and don't try, don't even dabble in that stuff, which is evil. Because the more you dabble, the more it comes in and begins to mix in. And I want you to be completely free from that. So the word of caution is be vigilant, be separate from, and be discerning. You can also see Paul begins to kind of take a little bit of a transition here. And the second thing, and the second word, and I'm going to wrap up here real quickly, is a word of encouragement. Again, as he often does, right? He, he had that, a little bit of that in the first, in the first part of this uh, uh, passage there in verse 18. The report of your obedience has reached everyone. That's an encouraging word, right? Another way he, he mentions encouragement to them is he says to them, you remember how he prayed that the God of, uh, that he prayed that the God of peace would, would be among them and that, that God would bless them with his irene, his, his sense of calm and lack of chaos and lack of conflict. And now he's saying the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, probably an allusion to Genesis 3.15 or where that, that prophecy of how Jesus will, will crush his, uh, by his heel he will crush the head of the serpent. So most likely Paul's, there's an, even though he's writing to a Gentile crowd, um, he's probably alluding to that as, a, as someone who understands that reality. So he says, the God of peace, again, as an encouragement, he will soon crush Satan under your feet. In other words, victory is on the way. That word of caution is important, but it's also he doesn't want to leave them only with the words of caution. He wants to give them this encouragement that, listen, victory is yours. The word soon probably is not so much an allusion to a time reference as much as what Paul is saying. Basically, the next big thing is the coming of Jesus. <laughs> so you've got, you've got his sacrifice, his, resur his, his resurrection, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension back to the Father. And now we're in this age of the church. And that's, what he, that's where he's living, that's where we're living. But what's the next big thing for all believers? The next big thing is God will soon crush Satan under his feet. Psalm 8, 816 says God has put everything under his feet. We live, again, in that reality of are we members of the kingdom of God now, today? Yes. It's not yet fully realized, but there is a day that's coming. And so that word of encouragement to us is, God will soon crush Satan under your feet. We are the victors. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, that is our enemy, our adversary, the God of this age, the prince of the power of the air, the prince of darkness. Greater is the one that is in me than the one who will be crushed under, the, under our feet literally and figuratively, under our feet because we stand as the bride of Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. From that point then, uh, as, he, as he's wrapping up this, per, this section, Paul will then uh, offer these greetings from these different individuals. And we won't take the time to run through those just in the interest of time as we're kind of up against it a little bit. But as you can see there, beginning in verse 21, Paul says, uh, offers these greetings from Timothy. Timothy, of course, was Paul's probably most trusted ministry partner. 
Uh, he had traveled uh, extensively with Paul. He had been Paul's son in the faith. And so uh, that Timothy is definitely worth mention. And they would have really been encouraged as well to receive a greeting from Timothy because Timothy would, would have had a, a great standing. He also uh, then mentions these other uh, three men, my fellow countrymen. Uh, the word literally means relatives, but most likely not referring to a blood relative, but instead that they are fellow Jews like uh, Paul. Then you can see in verse 22, Tertius offers a greeting to the Roman believers. Tertius, who wrote this letter, so um, we would call him Tertius, Paul's personal assistant, his administrative assistant. In the ancient world, he would have been known as a scribe. And so Paul's hand is not the one writing this, but he's dictating it to Tertius, and Tertius is the one who is writing and possibly has written other letters for Paul as well. We're not sure, that we'll, but we do know that Paul used a scribe in the letters that he wrote to the various churches. Then he mentions again Gaius, who was a host to him, uh, the city treasurer, and then uh, the brother Quartus. All these things, all these greetings offered up to them, again, are simply words of encouragement to them uh, to, to help them to continue to stay on track in their walk with Jesus, in their faithful followership of him. So again, a couple of things to write, write, wrap up with this letter. In the same way in which oftentimes I think, as I was thinking about these, this particular passage as it relates to kind of like any teaching opportunity that we have, there's probably a sense in which after every small group lesson or small group discussion time or message or Bible study or even some sort of spiritual conversation, there's probably a word of caution that's needed, right? Beware of this, stay on track. And then there's a word of encouragement. And remember, remember, by the power of God, you stand in victory. Be on guard for this and celebrate this. These are the words that Paul wrote to the Romans. And these are the words that God has for us today. We need to be vigilant. We need to be cautious. We need to avoid anyone who would introduce division or set traps and snares for people in the faith, unsuspecting people, people prone to be de being deceived. So we need to be very cautious in that respect. And we also need to be encouraged to know that as our obedience grows and grows, it actually pleases our Heavenly Father. And we have victory in Christ Jesus. And so we stand in a place, not of despair, not of discouragement, not without hope, but we stand as people who are victorious members of the incredible, powerful kingdom of God. So be encouraged, be cautious and be encouraged as you leave here today. Our worship team is gonna wrap us up with a song. Why don't you stand with me as I uh, pray and then they'll uh, lead us in that, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for, again, these words that came uh, from your servant, Paul. And as they came to us today, God, we pray that they would ring very true in our hearts, that we, like those Roman believers, would be called, Lord, to having a very critical eye uh, on being on the lookout for those things that bring destruction to the body of Christ. And that we also, Lord, wouldn't only, uh, that, that wouldn't be the only way that we go through life, but that we would remember uh, and be encouraged by that truth that we have victory in Christ Jesus. And that, and that Lord, that, that we anticipate <laughs> the incredible, complete, and total fulfillment
of what it means to be men and women who live as subjects of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Thank you, God, again for this great opportunity to worship, to learn, to be challenged. May we live with an orientation that is consistent with what we've learned today. We celebrate you, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.